Fence Havner, a Christian of the past, he says the Christian life itself is a miracle and every phase of it out to bear the mark of the supernatural. And he's right, because we have a supernatural Savior. He really is. And when we look at the ministry of Jesus, especially in his miracles, uh, we see that aspect that comes out about him. Uh, we're going to look in the Gospel of Mark this morning, Mark chapter 2, one of the miracles of Jesus. Mark has a real focus on miracles. Uh, a greater percentage of Mark is going to look at the miracles more than any other gospel will be in his book. But Mark chapter 2, and we'll begin at verse 1. Uh, stand with me as we read our passage this morning. And here Mark says, and again he entered into Capernaum, after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there is no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they broken it up, they let, him, let down the bed whereon the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his heart, spirit, that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he rose, and took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Father, we marvel at every miracle the Gospels give us. We see so much, and learn so much about our Savior from them. Lord, now just touch our hearts, what we see in this miracle, as our Lord ministers in the midst of many. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. As we look at this, we see that Jesus has a ministry to many. In chapter 1, Jesus will leave Capernaum and, and he goes to other towns. We see that in verse 39 of chapter 1. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. And now he returns to Capernaum, his home base. And we see in chapter 2 that Mark tells us that the word is quickly spread. That it was noised that he was in the house. Uh, one translation puts it, people heard that he had come home. Uh, 
J.B. Phillips words it, a rumor spread. So people heard about Jesus being back, and they quickly gathered. In fact, Mark tells us, verse 2, and straightway, immediately, quickly, they gathered. So here's Jesus in the house, in a home, and, and all these people show up. Now, in Palestine, in homes at that time, in that place, was very public. In the morning, your door was opened and, and just left open, and any who wanted to come in could come and visit and see what was going on. It was rare to have your door shut. You just didn't do that in that culture and that time. So an open door meant an open invitation, and they knew Jesus was at that home, and so they showed up, and, and they packed in the house. That's what they did. And, and that's so different than us today, isn't it? I mean, we lived up and live in such a locked-up society. I mean, we, we never leave our front doors open. They tell you don't do that. Keep your doors locked. In fact, we drive home, and we got our garage door openers, open up the garage, drive a rig on in, shut the garage, go in the house, and never see what's going out in front again. We just kind of live in that society today. So, so it was a different time. Different people. And these homes, these doors opened onto the street. So a crowd gathers, as Mark tells us, and the street is plugged up. And it's interesting, in verse 2, with all these people, what Jesus does. Mark tells us that he preached the word unto them. In fact, we, as we look at Mark, uh, he really puts a focus on this about preaching the word. We look in the first chapter, verse 4, John the Baptist, when he begins his ministry, tells us John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And we see in verse 7, uh, John the Baptist tells us and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. And then we see in verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And then towards the end of chapter 1, in verse 38, Jesus tells his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. So we, we see here, uh, Mark puts a focus on this, and Jesus is really demonstrating our priority as his people. And it tells me my focus as a pastor, as a preacher, is to preach the word of God. And to preach Jesus. To preach his word. Uh, Paul had a clear focus. He would write to the Corinthians in his first letter, but we preach Christ crucified. And he's going to write in that second letter that he'll write to the Corinthians. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Uh, to Timothy, he'll instruct him in 2 Timothy, he'll tell him, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, 
reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And I love the account that Luke has in the book of Acts about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. It's interesting how that whole thing takes place. I mean, there's, there's another handful of sermons right there in that eighth chapter of Acts. But as Philip goes up to witness to the Ethiopian eunuch, it's interesting what the Bible says. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. He had a clear focus of what to do. Vance Havner, I like the advice he gives to preachers. He says, make Christ your theme. I have seen preachers espouse causes and champion movements. And when the cause died and the movement collapsed, the preacher vanished too. But the man who glories in Christ never grows stale. There is a lot of truth in that. And let me encourage us, as we're stepping into this year, we're going to elect a new president. The campaign and political uh, scene is already dominating the news. Just drives me nuts. First thing I turn on the news in the morning, and I've got to hear about some candidate saying something somewhere. Let me encourage you not to put your hopes on a political party or a political candidate or a cause or a movement. Stay focused on Jesus Christ. Don't get sidetracked from him. And this is going to be a year we could do that. Let's not do that. That's so important. We also see that Jesus had a ministry to one. Minister to many, ministers to one. In verse 3, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Mark here is giving us a picture of need. Uh, vibrant language, he paints this picture. Here's a paralytic, a, a man who is sick of palsy. Uh, somehow his nerves had relaxed or didn't respond, and he was crippled, paralyzed. Had to be carried. Mark tells us he was born a four. Uh, born means to rise from the ground, take up, carry that which has been raised up. Uh, so, so this guy is kind of like a sack of potatoes. It's just amazing how you pick up a 20-pound kid and they go limp. And, and they seem like they weigh 60. Yeah. I got a cat like that. He's he just a <laughs> sack of potatoes. Well, one man could not carry him. Took four. And they saw Jesus as their hope. And yet is this ministry to one that Jesus is going to minister to, and yet these four men also minister to, there's going to be some hindrances. It's interesting. Uh, uh, someone has stated this fact as a truth. Any task done for Jesus is going to have obstacles. We'll find hindrances. And certainly it was in this case. Uh, it took more than one person. It took four men to carry him. It took a team. 
And you think about that in a church. It takes more than one person. It takes all of us, doesn't it? To do the work of a church. I mean, one person can't do all the teaching. We need uh, to have many teachers. One person can't do all the music. We need to have many involved music. That's good to see and have. Uh, it takes more than one person to work with our children. We want to give that a priority and resources. It takes more than one person to do the food pantry. I mean, uh, we're thankful you guys have taken up that ministry to your heart. Uh, that takes 20 to 30 of us to do that. That's a lot of intensive labor. So many things take many people. And it took four men to carry this man. Now what if one of those guys hadn't showed up? It had been really tough for, for three of them to carry this guy. You know, one of them said, you know, I'm, I'm just tired today, I need to sleep in. Or I, I need to brush my donkey. Or something like that. That would have made those work for the other three tough, maybe impossible. But the four of them did it. They got together. And then they get there, and then, then they got the obstacle of the crowd. In verse 4, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they broken it up, they set down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. They couldn't even get close to Jesus. Uh, the crowd was there, blocked their way, and everything came to a stop. Uh, could have been easy to quit. Well, let's go back home, try this another time, but they didn't. But somehow, some way, someone in this group, maybe all four of them together, came up with a solution. And they found a way to get to Jesus. You know, houses in Palestine had flat roofs. And then they you know, had beams on, on top, and they'd pack them with mud and, and brush and, and sticks, and that would be their, their roof. And they would ha often have a stairway that would go up to the roof. They'd sometimes sit up there in the evening when it was cooler. So they went up the stairway, took that man with them, and uh, dug through the roof and lowered him down. So they put some work in, and they didn't let the crowd stop them. Didn't let, they overcame that hindrance. And in this ministry to one, Jesus sees the faith of these men. Uh, in verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus recognized their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he was impressed. And he recognized it. And their actions demonstrated their faith. And as I've said before, Jesus always sees us, his people. Never overlooks us sees everything we do as we minister for him. In Matthew 25, the judgment of the sheep and goats, Jesus sees the acts of goodness, of giving food for the hungry, 
water for the thirsty, shelter for the homeless, the stranger, clothing for the unclothed, visiting the sick, seeing the prisoner. These men saw a man in need that had to get to Jesus, and they got him there. And Jesus saw their faith. We also see that Jesus in his ministry is opposed. In verse 6, Mark tells us, but there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in the spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Now, what's interesting to think about, remember the scene. People heard about Jesus. They show up, the house is crowded, the street is packed, and these guys had to go climb on the roof to lower the man in. But notice who we find here with the good seats close by. The critics. Certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts. For, for some reason, these guys showed up really quick, got a prime position so they could see and hear Jesus. They didn't come to get excited about his work either. They came to make sure he did everything right. They came to make sure that he didn't do something out of line. They wanted to record what he's going to say. Get more evidence against him. And right away they began picking on what Jesus said and did. Mark tells us they're reasoning in their hearts. Uh, means to bring together different reasons, to revolve in one's mind, to deliberate. And certainly what they thought in their hearts probably was expressed on their face and in their expressions. Uh, a lot of people there were excited about Jesus. But there was a handful there that they weren't. And Jesus knew it. Uh, in fact, uh, Mark tells us immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned. Uh, he, he could read their minds, knew what they were thinking. I mean, he is the God, man. He's the creator. And he read the heart. And, and the wording tells us Jesus knew immediately, clearly, and fully every thought of these scribes. One of the things that seems to take place is that Satan always likes to come along and throw a clod into the churn. Now some of us are going to understand that expression. Uh, clod speaks of a dirt clod. I remember growing up, we went to a church up in the South Hill. Uh, man, South Hill has, has the best dirt clods. I mean, as kids, we'd go out there and find them things and chuck them, they explode. They're just fun. Chuck dirt clods. And, and if you ever looked at a churn, churns butter. Well, if you drop a dirt clod in that thing, well, you're just 
throw the stuff out. I mean, it's gone. It's just going to get all through the butter. And Satan likes to come along and throw a dirt clod into God's word. See what he can do. He's going to use these Pharisees, scribes. And notice what they do. They criticize God's word. Criticized Jesus. Accused him of blasphemy. They didn't care about the man. Didn't care about the miracle. But just what Jesus would say and how he did it. Then they're going to... The other thing we see is that Satan will try to rob our joy of God's word. I mean, these guys were sitting there. I I bet they had crossed arms. Watching Jesus, what he's going to do. And they carried yellow flags. Ready to throw the penalty. Rule and fraction. I mean, great joy and good was about to take place. Certainly to this man and the four friends that brought him there. And all the people. Man, if anybody should have been upset, it should be the owner of the house. Man, you guys just dug a hole through my roof. But if you look through the Gospels, we never find the homeowner complaining. Never see that. So the evil one tries to rob us of our joy, of what God does in our midst. That's what he tries to do here. And it's interesting, many times he'll try to lessen who Jesus is. Attack his deity, the person of Christ. Notice in verse 7, who can forgive sins but God only? They answer their own question. They would have thought about it. Jesus is God. And he has the authority to forgive sin. And these scribes were so blind, they did not see the God-man. Watch out for people who make Jesus less than he is. But we also see Jesus has a ministry of victory. In verse 5, that's where the victory begins. Jesus sees their faith. He says unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. What wonderful words. Son, forgiven. Now the first word puts the man in the family of God. Son. The second word, forgiven, puts him in the fellowship of God. That's the most important miracle, not the healing. But the forgiveness of sin. In fact, that's the miracle every person needs. Forgiveness of sin. That's the miracle every person can receive. Forgiveness. Amazing grace. 
How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. What great words John Newton wrote. But the victory continues in verse 9. Jesus says, Whether it is easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way in to thine house. You see, in verse 10, Jesus is putting it all on the line. If the man fails to walk, then Jesus is a fraud. He has no authority to forgive. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He tells the man, commands him. Take up your bed. Arise. Uh, that word take up is an imperative mode. It's a command. And to the sick man, the crippled man, he commanded him, arise. Take up your bed. Uh, and do it immediately. And in verse 12, and immediately he arose and took up the bed. He did. And the people were amazed. Insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Their focus was on Jesus. They got a blessing. They were filled with wonder. Filled with God's goodness. We live in a critical time. Cynicism. cynicism. And it's so easy to become a cynic. Just get wore down by the things of life. It's a time we need to really look at Jesus. Keep our focus there. Not let anything hinder us. It's a need we all need to do. Look at Jesus and receive what he has. Forgiveness. Goodness. He'll bring our team back up. Lord, touching a heart this morning. Does one need to come and say, you know, I, I need to get my focus back on Jesus. I need to follow after him. I've been sidetracked some of these other things. I need what he can do. You come. You just need to seek him out in prayer. The altar's open. You come.